God bless you. I want to talk to you from my heart today and the impact that a conversation Jesus had with his disciples is having on me, framing it up in this thought that, that I need a champion. Isn't it interesting, whatever your team is, if they win, you say, we won. We, we love to have a champion. Stanley Cup, NBA Finals, whatever. There's just such a focus on the champion within this culture. I have no problem with that. But taking it to a level of doing life, I find that I need a champion. Because I just can't win. I, there's something beyond me. There's a, there's a power. There's a force that demands uh, that I need someone who has won, who can win, and that his victory would be my victory. I can remember watching Lord of the Rings. Now, thank God for the movie, because when I read the book, I just was so confused. And I, I saw these little people in Middle Earth, and these dark riders and demons and forces greater than them, and they needed a champion. They needed a conqueror. Matter of fact, when I speak to this from the point of Christ Jesus being our champion, that's the way I was raised, as seeing him as the victor, as the one who had a battle and he won it. Matter of fact, when I was a teenager, there was a song called The Champion. Do any of you remember that song? Do you remember who sang that song? Who? Carmen. That's right. Uh, a guy whose name was Carmen sang the champion. Uh, so it was a great song. And I remember the, some of the words were like how the audience of the ages had assembled in this cosmic coliseum. Now, when I was a teenager, there were all kind of dramas done to that. I can re even remember having a, a boxing rink on the stage. And you had the devil in one corner and Jesus in the other. And by the end of the fight, Jesus was declared the champion. And so there was just this, this thought sewn into my thinking that I have this champion. Now that I am 45 and I, I'm living life in this season and I reflect on life, I'm appreciative of that idea because I need a champion. And when we enter this conversation that Jesus had, I think you will see that as we let him take our heart and our hands and come into this text, that that is exactly the major point that we're taught out of this conversation. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Matthew 16. We'll start at verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say or people say that the Son of Man is? Now let's pause and just exegete the very place, Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea named after Caesar, who was the great en enemy of the people of God. It was Caesar who said it was his name given whereby men must be saved. He had all the power. Because of him... All of Israel was oppressed and dominated. So anytime you mentioned Caesarea, in the mind of the Jews, there was this thought of that's our greatest enemy. The whole culture of Caesarea was just one reminder 
that they were dominated by this one Caesar. Then it says Caesarea Philippi. Philip, he was the one who built this marble temple, a huge temple in Caesarea. And the whole purpose of the temple was in honor of worship to Caesar. So Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea. And in Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Now they knew the news of the day. And so they answered and said, well, people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah. Then here comes the big question. Who do you say that I am? There was, there was just silence. Finally, Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. At that point, Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. No human has revealed this to you. This has come from the father who is in heaven. In other words, Peter got it right. Do you remember watching uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And as Regis would ask these questions and they would mount in the money they were winning, going toward the million, and it would be intense. Uh, you know, I wonder if that's kind of like the atmosphere. Was there a pause? Because Regis would like pause and say, you're right. You know, I don't know if Peter phoned a friend at that moment or what lifeline he used. I'm just saying he got it right. And Jesus said, that's right. He made this declaration. He said, you are the Christ. Now, when Peter said, you are the Christ, I almost hear it echoing off the marble walls of this temple that Philip had built for Caesar worship. In Caesarea, this is the message. This is the declaration. And what Peter said was, you are the Christ. New Living Translation says, you are the Messiah. Two very important words. The word Messiah is that Old Testament word. What we see most often in the New Testament is the word Christ. The word Messiah in the Old Testament gave us three specific offices of the Lord. One was prophet. The next was priest. And thirdly, king. Prophet, priest, and king. So when Jesus came, he would be the Christ, the one who fulfilled all three, prophet, priest, and king. Now remember, in the Old Testament, the prophet gave the people a way to hear from God. The priest gave people access, connection to God. The king is what made people safe in God. They had one who could conquer their enemies. John, when it came to Jesus being the prophet, he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And he's likening Jesus to the word and he's talking about communication. And that the way we hear from God and interact with God is through the word of God because Jesus fulfilled the office of prophet. He also fulfilled the office of priest, giving us access to God. In the Old Testament, all of the people, their access to God was through the priest who once a year could go into the Holy of Holies. And if sacrifices were made correctly and he was right before God, he could then atone for the sins of the people so that they would be covered for one more year, but not cleansed. So when Jesus comes and lives a sinless life and then dies and rises again, he provides access to God 
and we don't have to go through a priest. We are now given access because Jesus became our priest as well as the sacrifice. It's just an amazing story of redemption. So anybody anywhere who calls out on the name of the Lord can be saved. You don't have to come to me so that I pray on your behalf. You have direct access to God because of Jesus fulfilling the office of priest. But he's also king. King meaning we're safe in God because Jesus, our king, has conquered our enemies. We're just like the little people with these dark riders and demon forces coming against us. And we needed a champion. And so Jesus is prophet, priest, and champion. Meaning he has conquered our enemies. And his victory becomes our victory. Let's go back to 1 Samuel. Think with me that when David went out in chapter 17 to face Goliath, they gave Goliath a specific name. They called him the champion, right? The champion of Gath. He was undefeated. This word champion is a technical Hebrew word. It, it means like, a, like almost superhuman, the, the ultimate man. And so the thought was, rather than the armies fighting, you sent out your best. He was their best, the champion of Gath. And if he won, then everybody would serve the God of the Philistines. See, the army needed a champion. We'll come back to that story of what happened in the story of David and Goliath. But when you see the word champion to describe Goliath, the one who was unbeatable, the one who preyed upon the people. It is the same word that we're going to see later used to describe Jesus, describing him as the ultimate champion, the conqueror, the one who is now our king. It's interesting in the Superman movie, uh, Lois Lane would, would not connect that Clark Kent was also Superman. I don't want us to have a disconnect. Your prophet, whereby you communicate with God, the access given, whereby we hear from God. The fact that Jesus is our priest, where we have access to God. It's all incredible. It's awesome. But don't let him be your prophet and your priest, but not your king. Because what I'm telling you today is that we need a champion. We need one who has taken on the enemy forces and won. We need a king whose victory is our victory. And what Peter declared, and notice the context, the backdrop, the background, he declared that Jesus is the champion. Right on the backdrop of this temple that was all about worship of the one who they thought was champion. So it all starts with the declaration. Who is your champion? Who is Jesus to you? And if you are willing to declare he is the Christ, then you have an ability to communicate with God, you have access to God, and you are safe in God because you have a champion. Then it's interesting. Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Now upon this rock... I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the theme of the whole text is, who is Jesus? The question is about Jesus. 
So it doesn't shift and then make Peter more than he is. It's saying that the church would be established on the bedrock of Christ. And that the power statement of the church to storm the gates of hell would be the power of Christ. And so this victory is just awesome. And these disciples are there in Caesarea Philippi. And I'm wondering if other disciples were wishing they would have answered. You know, it was an awesome moment. But then Jesus begins to tell them that he has to die. Here Peter has made an A on the test. Now Jesus says, I have to die. I'm going to die at the hands of these religious people. And Peter says, no way. And Jesus looks at him and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't want Jesus to ever say that to you. (laughs) Ever. It's like he makes an A and now he makes an F. And there's an important rhythm to life that we learn out of this passage See, once we declare that he's the Christ, now we have a champion, then we just automatically think Caesar is about to be dethroned. Jesus is going to take over. And when our expectation that is a result of our declaration doesn't happen, we get disappointed. Peter's like, No, you're not going to die at their hands. You're you're the king. But you see, Jesus is seeing that Peter just doesn't understand. He's seeing a shortcut. That's exactly what happened with Jesus in the wilderness. Satan showed Jesus a shortcut to the throne. And every time Jesus said no. And he answered with a word saying, it is written. Because he knew that Satan lurks in the shadows of a shortcut. There are no shortcuts to doing the will of God. And so Peter doesn't realize that Jesus is going to fight this battle at an entirely different level. We know that policemen are aware of drug dealers on certain corners in certain neighborhoods. And at times we wonder, why don't they just go arrest them? Because they know they're there. One reason is because they are trying to get to the source And rather than just take Caesar off his throne, it would be better if we could just destroy Satan. You with me? So often our officials are trying to fight a battle at a whole different level than we see. And what Peter doesn't know is that Jesus is about a lot more than just Caesar no longer being on the throne. Jesus is about destroying the works of darkness. And if Jesus can can destroy the works of darkness, then we can really have a champion. But in our limited perspective, we'll make this direct declaration, he's the Christ. And then when things don't go like we think they should, we get disappointed. And we just need perspective. That God fights at a level way beyond what we can know. Why am I still sick? Why am I still having the financial trouble? What about all of this uncertainty regarding the future? We deal with all of these questions. We've declared. We have a champion. Now we're looking for immediate victory. No, because we have a champion, we then can confront the challenges of life and persevere because we know that our champion is at work. He's just at work at a level far beyond what we can see. 
I want to take you to this, this last part and then tie it all together. You see, Jesus, he did go to the cross and he bore the weight of all of our sin because he was about changing the world. He was about destroying Satan's ability to dominate and darkness's ability to, to intimidate. He was about throwing open a door for the salvation of the world. And so Jesus goes all the way to the cross and he dies and he rises again so that we could have victory now and we have the ability to persevere now and we would have the promise of a coming kingdom called heaven where there wouldn't be any more battles. Now let me show you in light of what I've said, Hebrews chapter 12 verses one and two. Here's the challenge. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Verse 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How is he described? As the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. That word champion is the same word that was used to describe Goliath, the ultimate man. But in this case, the champion took on the kingdom of darkness, took on all principalities, powers, mights, and, and destroyed them. Now, I have wondered how J.R. Tolkien, who wrote the Lord of the Rings trilogy, how do you even think that way? How do you come up with all of that? And I don't know all the answers, but one thing he has referenced in how that story was built was through his own life. When at age four, his dad died. At age 12, his mom died. And at age 20, after the First World War, he had lost every close friend he had but one. And he said, I felt small. I felt pressure that I couldn't fight off. In the dark of night, it would intensify. And he said, I found myself needing a champion. So he writes this story of these little people called hobbits. And all of these forces against them. And they couldn't protect themselves. Even Frodo, one of the characters, says, there's, there's such danger lurking down the road. I just never thought it would come here. But it has. And they couldn't defend themselves. So they needed a king. They needed a champion. And if that champion could win, his victory would be their victory. What a great way to capture the story. Now, let me just be honest with you. Without going into details, and it's just another day in the life of living in this world, I've got some challenges that are tough. And I found myself going, Lord, I, I don't know how to do this. I want to be a great dad. I have a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 12-year-old. I want to be a great dad, and I simply am in uncharted territory. I had a great dad. I have a great dad who continues to be a blessing, but, you know, I so have these challenges that I'm asking God for wisdom. And I was saying, Lord, I want to be a winner here. I want to be a champion, and I can't be. On my best day, I'm a hobbit. I was going to say little person, but then you wouldn't get the, the message. 
You're like, well, yeah, did, did it take you to be 45 to know that? It's like on my best day, there's just danger lurking and I can't, I can't defend it off. So instead of saying, Lord, I want to be a champion, I've been saying, Lord, I need a champion. And when I moved to that prayer, the Lord took me to Matthew 16. And right in the midst of the disciples' most intense atmosphere that would say to them, there's darkness greater than you. There's power greater than you. In that very setting is where Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the king. You are the conqueror. Not Caesar. You are the conqueror. Now, when things didn't turn out the way he wanted, he got disappointed. How many of you have been there? But notice there's a flow. When you make that declaration, things may not go the way you want, but God's fighting at a far bigger level than you know. And the way you deal with that disappointment is to know that his victory is your victory so that you can bear your cross in victory because it's in this story before this chapter ends where Jesus says, now take up your cross and follow me. And in cross-bearing is difficulty sacrifice, questions and inequities and things that, that don't measure up to the expectation after we've declared he's the king. But because his victory is our victory, it's in those moments that we can keep laying aside those things that would seek to slow us down or derail us. And we can keep running this race because our champion has won And his victory is our victory. He's initiated our faith. And he is perfecting our faith. And there is coming a day where we're going to heaven and there won't be any more battles to fight. And in that, we will experience yet another level of his victory that becomes our victory. I pray today for every person in this room, every man in this room, that you would just say, Lord, I need a champion. You think on a Father's Day, I'd say, be a winning dad and how you can be a champion dad. And I want you to be a winning dad, but I want you to know that you win because Christ has won. I want you to know that you're going to have victory because Christ has won the victory. I want you to know in the context against the backdrop of your toughest day, you can declare that you have a prophet, a priest, and a king. That you have access to God, you have communication with God, and you are safe in God. And it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what Christ has done. And because he is a champion, you are being perfected, and you will have what you need, and you will have the victory. Paul said he's been given a name far above every other name. And so this whole day is just to say, well, how great is our God? I'll tell you how great. He's champion. He's king. You have John who's starving to death on this island. They've they've exiled him there. And he hears the moan in a minor key of the dying there on that island. And yet in the spirit on the Lord's day, he begins to write. And it's this magnificent vision of Christ. All the way to the point where he declares he's king of kings. And he's Lord of lords. And we overcome, why? By the blood of the Lamb.
the blood that was shed so that we could be forgiven by the word of our testimony. What's our testimony? Christ took our place. And because he took our place, died and rose again, our sins can be forgiven. Our enemy has been defeated. And we can go on and be the people we need to be. I feel like there's a few types of people here. One is you need a champion in terms of salvation. You've never entered a relationship with Jesus. You need to make that choice today because you need him. You'll never be enough to win it all. You need a champion. Number two, some here, you've made the declaration, but you had a certain expectation of life and it hasn't gone that way and you're disappointed and you've even wondered like John who said to his disciples go find Jesus and I want you to ask him if he's the Christ or if I need to find another Because when you've made a declaration, but then it doesn't flow with how life is going, you get disappointed. And it shakes your foundation. Jesus said to those disciples, you go tell John. The blind see, and the dead are raised to life again. Well, that's... The first sermon Jesus ever preached, quoting from Isaiah. What about the part about setting the prisoner free? He didn't mention that one. He just said, you tell John, blessed is is he who is not offended in me. He's saying, I will win, John. I'm fighting at a whole different level than you even understand. So this is where you copy this truth and paste it into your heart that when things are confusing, you don't change me to align with your circumstance. Your circumstances don't change the truth about me, Jesus says. I am the king. And if the Caesars of your life aren't being dealt with. Just know he's fighting at a whole different level. And I promise you, you win. You win. Finally, some of you have kind of lost that hope for that day when we'll all be in heaven. Don't lose that. His victory was not only to give you the ability to persevere now, but to hold. In Hebrews chapter 12, it's all about people who had faith in the most incredible, difficult circumstances. And they held to God. So, it's like heaven's arena is filled with people like Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, David. All of these great men and women of faith. And they're cheering us on. And there are times I think about Abraham who held on in spite of the way things looked. I think about Moses and being at the Red Sea. I think about David stepping out on that battlefield. But it doesn't say looking unto David. 
or looking unto Moses or looking unto Abraham. It says looking unto Jesus because he is the champion. The others encourage me, but Jesus is the champion and his victory is our victory and he has won it for all eternity. Don't lose sight. This is just a little piece of the journey. One day we're going to be in heaven. Why? Because he's the Christ. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for what you've done. And we just declare today that you are the Christ. Thank you for reminding us that you are our champion. We certainly need one. Before I give you an opportunity to respond, let's just give God praise today for who he is. Let's open our hearts in response to our king, to our victor, to our champion. This team is going to lead us, and you join them. And let's just declare the victory that is ours. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Lord, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Mm, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how like an anchor to their soul I pray today for those who who've been struggling in their trust who have been struggling with circumstances to the point that it's challenged them in their faith in their belief in God we're reminded today that you are the champion with every head bowed and eye closed and now to those of you who have never opened your heart to relationship with him you realize today it's not about religion 
it is about Jesus Christ, what he's done for you, opening your heart to his grace to forgive you, his power to give you a sense of foundation and his leadership in your life for the future, to make life more than you could ever imagine, to put a satisfaction in your soul that money cannot buy, to give you a strength to stand up against the storms of life that will certainly come, to help you to know that his victory is yours and no matter how tough life gets, you're reminded that you're on the winning side. Today, you need to accept him as your personal savior. You say, that's the desperate need of my life. I need Jesus to forgive my sin, to come into my heart, to make that change. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. Raise it quickly and let me pray for you. Let me believe God with you and for you. Say, I need to ask Jesus Christ into my heart. I need a champion. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to just come before you as we are, to experience you as you are, and to have our hearts lifted. We rejoice in this. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a great influencer on my life who never would watch a great game live. He always DVR'd it. And the reason is because he didn't want to deal with all the emotion of the different momentum swings in the game. He wanted to know the outcome before he watched it. Have you ever DVR'd a game and you didn't want to know and somebody broke the news to you and you're like, ah. This was intentional this person. He wanted to know the outcome. Then when his team won, he could watch the game. And even when the scoreboard showed that the opponent was winning, he never worried because he knew by the end of the game, his team would be crowned the winner. Never forget, you are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. Jesus won. Doesn't take away the intensity of the the battle. And at times, the momentum (laughs) seems to be against us rather than for us and if there was such a thing as a scoreboard there are times it would feel as though we're behind but don't you ever lose heart I'm telling you at the end of the game without a doubt you win because he won you're fighting from victory and that makes all the difference so the call to action is just to trust and Forget your expectations. Just declare he's the Christ. And because he won, we won. And when it gets tough, persevere. Persevere. Because when it's all said and done, Satan is defeated. Jesus is the king. He's your champion. And his victory is yours. Walk in that. Let's give him a great praise today. Amen.